Welcome to the Avgeeks Podcast Fight Night Edition. I'm your host, Spells, and I'm just glad to have you guys with us tonight, man. Um, thank you for making this part of your weekly routine, your nightly routine, your morning routine, your mowing the lawn routine, your dropping your kids off at work routine. Anytime you listen to us, any way you listen to us is greatly appreciated. Um, once again, I'm your host, Spells. It's just me tonight. There's no Adrian. He's, you know, taking care of the daughter. He might be recording another podcast. He's a man of many talents. Boxing is not one of them yet. I will take care of that. He will be on an episode with me shortly. But for this inaugural fight preview episode, I'll just be headlining it myself. So, guys, buckle up and bear with me on two cups of Ciroc in. And I was not pouring light. So it may be a little bit of a struggle tonight. But, you know, had to tackle the nerves somehow, some way, right? So, first off, a little preview of what we got to come tonight. We have a recap of last weekend's action on ESPN, top-ranked card. We have a fight preview, two fight previews, so you get a doubleheader in the first episode. You're welcome. The first fight we're going to be covering is a Lomachenko-Nakatani, a lightweight matchup on ESPN top range card. And then the second one, and my personal favorite of the night, will be Javante Davis versus Mario Barrios, the Azteca on Showtime pay-per-view. So, man, these are <laughs> – almost got into the <laughs> the fight preview. Last weekend, man, I'm going to get right into it. It was a good action, man. There was three fights on the main card, uh, the the main event being Nayua Inoue, the monster, versus the scrub. I don't even bother to remember his name. It was a three-round fight. Uh, the other one was Michaela Mayer versus her challenger. She was defending her WBC lightweight belt. And then the other one was – not really a light. It wasn't for a belt. It was just a. <sighs> Boxing is funny, man, because when when it comes on when it comes on promotion when it comes on TV, they find ways to make it seem more important than it is, and everybody carries a quote unquote belt. A lot of times, it's something they want from the amateurs, or it's a regional belt, the NABC, a Long Beach, California champion belt, some shit like that. So when they do their ring walk. They promote it or they ring make and hold it over their heads and get everybody hyped up. You'll see them hold a belt after the fight. You'll see them hold a belt before the fight. But they're not really champions, man. There's about four, maybe five sanctioned organizations that really count if you want to split it that way. But <laughs> I didn't mean to get into that little tangent right there. I'm sorry. Anyways, the third fight was Adam Lopez versus Isaac Dalbe, who was a former champion but does not currently have a belt, which led me into that segue. But they're fighting for a chance to get one of the four or five sanctioning belts. Um, three good cards, man. Three good fights. The my favorite fight of the night was Adam Lopez versus Isaac Dabe. Um, Adam Lopez is a young fighter. He was a featherweight champion, but he moved up to fed um what is it, super lightweight? Not super lightweight, it's um junior lightweight. Excuse me, I'm a little tipsy, man. He moved up to junior lightweight. Uh, when he went fought Oscar Valdez for his belt, and then he just stuck up there after the performance he gave. Isaac Dabe was also at featherweight. He was also a champion at featherweight, but he lost his belt to Navarrete, and so he moved up the he moves up the junior lightweight to also chase another belt. So these, these are two former champions fighting for a chance to be a champion again, and it was an action-packed fight, man. Isaac Dabe was a shorter fighter from Ghana, I believe, probably three-arm, three. Three three inches of a wingspan difference between him and Adam Lopez. Adam Lopez was a taller, longer fighter. So Isaac Dabe did what he did. He got in the inside. He made it nasty. He got gave him short, precise hooks, short, precise uppercuts. 
good body work real early. Probably the first four rounds, he had clear control of the fight. Adam Lopez is a, a smoother boxer. You know, he he likes to fight when the outside, but he has a little bit of a a little bit of a pit bull to him. He calls himself Blue Nose. So, you know, he has that dog in him. He did a good job of making adjustments, boxing at first at the behest of his corner. But then afterwards, he decided he wanted to make it dirty, man. He wanted to get in the nitty-gritty. For so rounds five through ten, you know, he was in there boxing with him, slugging with him, uppercuts, hook shots, all that. Every punch you can imagine was being thrown. There was one round where there was 100-plus punches thrown by one person. So if you can imagine the sheer volume, if you've ever been in a fight in school <laughs> or if you ever did any type of martial arts, you know, a 20-round burst of action can keep keep you pretty tired. These fighters are in incredible shape, and they had action going for 10 rounds straight. There was not a boring moment in the fight. There was not a time where I was not entertained. And, you know, it was something to be happy about. The Michaela Meyer fight, I'm honestly not going to cover that here. It's women's boxing. It's two minutes instead of three minutes. Um and I, I'm honestly not a fan, not because their skill level is any different, but because it's more or less knockouts. I just think that I think that boxing as a whole does not give women their respect. And I'm not gonna I'm not gonna glorify broadcasts that don't glorify the women properly. Michaela Meyer is a an Olympian. She's a great boxer. She's a titleist. I give her all due respect. You know what I'm saying? She she fights the tough fights, and she looks for tougher fights, as women have to do in these sports dominated by men. And, you know, hats off to her. She went in there. She went in there. She handled business. She dismantled her opponent. But I'm not going to do promotion for ESPN, man. Boxing as a whole has to find out a way to give women more of a more of a financial raise, more of a promotional raise, and just more exposure in general. A lot of times these women had to promote themselves. If you look at Clarissa Shields, she had to go do MMA just to get the right financial, the right financial situation and, and and to be quite frankly, a challenge. You know, she's dominated the sport for so long that she had to go outside of just, you know, hands fighting and go to hands and feet fighting in the world of kickboxing and MMA just to get a challenge. And she won that fight. She did as well. So hats off to her, hats off to Mikala Meyer. Um, salute the women's boxing, the Olympians, all that. But I'm not going to cover that tonight on the Afghis podcast. The fight I will cover is Nayua anyway versus some scrub from the Philippines, man. He, the dude was supposed to be good, but honestly, it was a three-round fight. But exciting all the, all the way. This was a Bantam weight fight, so it was 118 pounds. <clears throat> Excuse me, I got a little bit of a cold. 118 pounds. And Nayua anyway, a little background on him, is probably the most powerful puncher in boxing for his short frame powerful pound he's probably in the top two out of 10 fighters uh every punch he throws has knockout complications implications on it and i mean honestly before before last week i'll probably tell you guys my favorite fighters were canelo alvarez and bud crawford but after watching this (laughs) after watching this fight man i mean anybody that can dismantle the opponent opponent with body shot after body shot and just make him crumple, not even worried about the head, not worrying about knockouts. He made this dude quit. He made this dude lay down and quit. That's impressive power. So if you haven't seen that fight on ESPN, I highly recommend. If you have ESPN Plus, it's on demand. Go back and watch that whole card. Non-stop action and very satisfying action. And it's not a lot of your time. Like I said, anyway, finish his opponent in three rounds. The Adam Lopez, Isaac Dabe fight went 10 rounds. 
But um, look, man, you won't be disappointed. If you like me, if you love combat sports, if you love boxing, all of those matches were satisfying, man. Uh, moving on from the from the fight recap, we're gonna move on to some fight previews. So this Saturday, it's a treat. Early starting at seven p.m., we have ESPN top range card: Lomachenko, Vasily Lomachenko against Nakatani, a one hundred thirty five pounder from Japan. And um, it's not no scrub fight, man. Lomachenko is a former champion. He held, if I'm not mistaken, three of the four lightweight titles before he fought Tiafima Lopez, who's now undisputed because he beat Lomachenko in. In embarrassing fashion, man. A little background on Lomachenko, man. He's a two-time Olympic gold medalist. He has almost a 400 amateur wins and only one loss. And the one loss that he had, he went and avenged it by beating that man twice. He's from the Ukraine. He's trained by his dad. Uh, some of the methods he has of training is just insane. If you <laughs> any any stereotypes you want to have for those people in the you know the Russian region of Europe. Um, as far as training and doing the extremes, running in the cold, uh, just doing ridiculous, 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 fighting with bears, et cetera, et cetera. Lomachenko's not fighting with bears, but he is doing some stuff that... I'll give you an example. Uh, when when Lomachenko was five, his dad put boxing gloves on him, and then he proceeded to make him do soccer ballet, anything that he thought, everything that Lomachenko did was geared towards becoming a prodigy boxer, right? So far to the point that as Lomachenko approached um, a certain a certain plateau in his amateur career, his dad introduced a sports psychologist, not a sports psychologist, a psychologist that worked mainly with Russian, you know, air, aircraft pilots, fighter pilots. And it's just everything that Lomachenko is surrounded by is to support boxing. That he has no life outside of boxing. If you if you talk to him or his father, it's about boxing. If if he's eating dinner, it's surrounded around boxing. This man is the face of boxing in his country. His father was the Olympic coach for his country for boxing, just strictly off of the strength of what he did with Lomachenko. And he produced more gold medalists other than just Lomachenko. So amazing fighting family. Um, it doesn't rival the fighting family of like the Mayweathers or the Porters or anything like that, but it's pretty damn close, right? All that being said, he did lose the last time he fought. His only only his second loss in his career, uh, professionally, but also it was only like his 16th fight professionally. Like I said, he fought almost 400 times. <clears throat> Excuse me, but this dude is a bad mother. Shut your mouth. He uh, the way he fights, he thanks the game. You know what I'm saying? He calls himself the Matrix, and he really just dissects his opponent for probably the first three rounds. And then after he dissects his opponent's fighting style, he moves in. You know what I'm saying? He get he breaks you down. He's not a power puncher. He's fighting at 135. He's probably a junior lightweight. He's probably a 130-pounder. So he's fighting five pounds above his actual, you know, walk-around weight. But even still, he's been effective. You know, he's had at least... He had three. He had three belts at lightweight, so he's not no. He's no scrub. He was the number one pound for pound fighter in the world at one point. Um, this strictly off of the the pace. I mean, most fighters don't get their first title shot until maybe fight twenty. He was a titleist around fight twelve. 
really around he he fought for a title in his second fight. So I mean, everything about Lomachenko is just accelerated because of his age, and also because of his experience in the amateurs. He's a very intelligent fighter. He has beautiful footwork. I mentioned earlier the ballet classes he used to take as a kid. Once again, it was geared towards boxing. And um, he has beautiful footwork. He's rarely caught off balance. Um, only time he really has trouble is when he fights longer, bigger, stronger men, right? And that's what he faces this weekend in Nakatani, a fighter from Japan. He's very long, very awkward, and a little bit of intrigue. He is probably Teofimo Lopez is the person who beat Lomachenko's toughest fight. And that's why Lomachenko's taking his fight because, you know, he wants to he wants that rematch. Lopez beat him bad. He beat him bad. Lomachenko did not look like the Lomachenko of old. Lopez dismantled him. He hit him with power shots. He outboxed him, which no one expected Teofimo Lopez to do because of his youth and his brashness and just being on as a power puncher. But Lomachenko underestimated him. Lomachenko's father underestimated him. And, you know, they came and they did what they did there. I'll give you guys a, a, a deeper breakdown of the Lopez fight, possibly in another episode, possibly in this one. But really, I want to focus on this matchup. Um, It's a dangerous fight for Lomachenko. He could lose in a multitude of ways. Uh, Like I said, Nakatani is longer. Lomachenko's almost 34 this year. and that's, that's not young for a fighter. That's the very, very edge of their prime into taking care of their body. And Lomachenko is not. Not that he doesn't take care of his body, but he trains extremely hard. I mean, he does crazy things like submerge himself in water to the point of drowning to see how long he can hold his breath, just to beat himself psychologically. He's always sparring. He's always testing himself physically. I mean, to the point where you would test like a a soldier. Um, He's just constantly pushing himself mentally and physically. He combines them too. So at the age of 33, going on 34, that type of stress, 400 amateur fights. I mean, you see the story I'm trying to paint, right? And he's coming off a loss where he had to have surgery after the loss. He had surgery on the same shoulder before. <sighs> he may not have the same power at a bigger weight class than what he should be at. It's a dangerous fight for him. He's not a young man anymore. If he does win this fight, it will have to be off of skill. It'll have to be off intelligence and breaking the body down. And he may not even knock the dude out. He may have to win by decision. Um, it's But that's the entry, right? You don't, a lot of times you see these, you have these fighters and they don't, they don't um they don't produce quality quality matchups, man. One of the biggest one of the biggest complaints you have about fighters that, you know, sell these pay per view shows or they fighting bums, they they fighting dudes like me off the street. You know what I'm saying? No pedigree, no belt, no nothing, no stakes. So I appreciate Lomachenko coming rebounding off a loss with a heavy challenge and you know, trying to trying to make a name for himself again, even though he's already a legend in my eyes and boxing's eyes. But all the motivation for this is, once again, to get at Teofimo Lopez. Um, man, I'm already 15 minutes in. I told you guys it would probably be 20 minutes in, so I'm going to take a short break and regroup, and I'll come to you guys with the second half of this show, wrap up the Lomachenko segment, and get into Tank Davis. And we're back. Pardon me. I'm <laughs> fighting for my life here, man. I'm not used to this solo deal. This more <laughs> this more Harrison's deal. Um, but wrapping up the Loma segment, uh, just some keys for victory for him. Get inside 
Nakatani is a longer fighter. He may be a stronger fighter. He has a powerful right hand, um, but he doesn't have too much else. He'll probably try and keep Lomachenko at the end of his job. <clears throat> How effective he may be remains to be seen. Lomachenko has beautiful side-to-side movement. He has beautiful head movement. He can probably make something happen. Um, the question is, does he have the power to close the deal early? Because if he can't get in, he was tentative getting inside Lopez as well, because Lopez was longer. And Lopez was also powerful. So if he's, <coughs> excuse me, if he comes out tentative, he doesn't come out aggressive, if he doesn't establish the rhythm early, and he waits until the fourth round, fifth round again, he may already be behind the scorecards. And then <coughs> without the stopping power, I'm so sorry, guys. Without the stopping power, he may not be able to win that fight on the scorecards if he starts behind. Um, Keys to victory for Nakatani, the exact opposite of what I said. Use that jab. Use that strong right hand. Close the deal early. Lomachenko is a thinker. You know, he's a thinker and a fighter. He's a thinker foremost. He will beat you if you just try to outbox him. End it early. He's older. You're younger. Your last fight, you were behind the scorecards and you knocked out Felix Verjal, um, who but he rot in jail. He, if you if you haven't heard of Nakatani's last opponent, Google him. He was a promise fighter for he was a promising fighter for Puerto Rico. Who got caught up, um, essentially getting the side piece pregnant, met up with her, killed her, threw her body off a bridge, and now is in jail for you know murder and kidnapping and all that shit. But getting off that sad, <coughs> getting off that sad note, you knock that bitch ass nigga out, and you were behind the scorecard. So if you can do the same with Lomachenko, then you can probably come out with a win. So, mm, I got this fight, Lomachenko. By decision. I don't think he gets knocked out. He's never been knocked out of his career. And it won't start now. Um, he's too smart. He's too agile. Even if he doesn't have the power at 135, his boxing ability, he's had over 400 amateur fights. It's my 15th time saying in this segment alone. He has the experience to adjust to this. Um, he's prideful, man. He's just that strong. The strong pride that him and his father have together, I think they figured something out. But that's all I have for that segment, man. Once again, that fight's going to be on the ESPN top rank card. Check it out. But <clears throat> my favorite fight of the night, and probably our last segment of the night, because I'm not built for this solo shit, is the Tank Davis versus Mario Barrios fight on Showtime. I believe the card starts at like <clears throat> 9 p.m. Oh my god. Yeah, it starts at 9 p.m. So that that fight can go either way, man. Tank Davis is originally <clears throat> a junior lightweight, so that's a 130 pounder. He moved up for one fight at 135 against Jerokas Gamboa, which went the distance. <clears throat> but kind of went the distance. He stopped him in the 12th round. And then he went back down to 130 for both his 135 <coughs> WBA belts and the 130 WA belt. So he fought for two belts at two weight classes, but he weighed in at 130 against Leo Santa Cruz. Um, <clears throat> and now he's fighting a 140 pounder at the junior lightweight division, at the junior welterweight division. I'm sorry. So. If you're sitting here wondering why is he floating between three weight classes, um, Javante Davis, 
is a a supremely talented fighter. Uh, just off skills alone <clears throat> and passing the eye test, he should probably be in the t- pound for pound list. But there's two things, maybe three things holding him back, depending on your opinion. One, <clears throat> he can't control his weight. Or maybe he's just not disciplined enough to control his weight. He's lost his belt on the scale before. He's Every time you see him in camp, it's pretty much a fat camp for him. He has the trash bags on. He's cutting weight drastically. And <clears throat> if you know anything about combat sports, you know that when you have to cut weight too much, you lose a lot of your legs and your power with you. And <clears throat> that's a dangerous thing for a fighter to do. And the older you get, the harder it gets. So is he at 140 this time because he wants a challenge? Or is he at 140 this time because, you know, his promoters and his camp doesn't think that he can keep making that cut at 130, size 135. Tank has one of the most devastating knockout punches in the game. He floored Leo Santa Cruz with an uppercut in the sixth round last time he was out. And <clears throat> the only question is, can he do it at 140? The last time he fought at 135, it was Gamboa, who was essentially – what we call a shot fighter. He's a fighter at the end of his career who should have been really easy for um, Tank to put down. But for whether it was trying to make the weight, you know, cutting too drastically or just not taking camp seriously, you know, <clears throat> he he kept Gamboa in. He knocked him down early in the second round. Gamboa really tore his Achilles and still stayed in the fight, and he still couldn't put him down until the 12th. So, Tank moving up to 140 is is dangerous. There's some intrigue in this fight. The guy he's fighting, Mario Barrios, is a WBA regular belt champion. So he has a belt. He has a strap. He's ranked the 10th. ESPN has him ranked number 10, top 10, as far as junior welterweights. (coughs) So, you know, he has a skill level. Um, Tank's never fought anybody this big, and this guy is honestly a welterweight in size. He's really a 147-pounder. That's probably cutting weight for the last time to beat Tank <coughs> or to attempt to beat Tank because, <clears throat> because you know, Tank has that pay-per-view draw. Everywhere Tank goes, a heavier payday is going to go. He's probably one of the most marketable boxers in boxing outside of uh, <clears throat> maybe Deontay Wilder. I can't think of many other boxers that actually have pay-per-view draw. Deontay Wilder, Tank Davis, Canelo Alvarez, and maybe <coughs> – Maybe a Charlo brother, one of the Charlo twins. But, yeah, man, it's an interesting fight. Uh, Tank's last fight, like I said, he knocked out Leo Santa Cruz in the sixth round. And it was at 130 pounds, which is maybe too much of a weight cut out of form at this point. So it was impressive that he was able to knock him out at that weight. Tank is small. He's like 5'5", five, 5'6", five, five, but he's stocky. And he's fast. Um, He, he trains <clears> – <throat> under someone named Calvin Ford. He's Floyd Mayweather's fighter, so he trains in Vegas all the time. There's really not that many similarities between him and Floyd. <clears throat> Outside of hand speed. <clears throat> so sorry, guys. Um, Yeah, outside of hand speed, there's not that many similarities between him and Floyd and the unbeaten record and, you know, the flashiness in which they display. But I don't know, man. Something special about Javante Davis, man. He's... He's almost 100% in knockout rate. You know what I'm saying? Even though he's not a defensive specialist, he's very hard to hit when he puts an effort towards defense. But if he's not scared of your power, 
he's just going to walk you down. And you saw that in the Leo Santa Cruz fight. Leo Santa Cruz boxed him very well, <clears throat> but he was a smaller junior lightweight. He really was a featherweight that came up from 122 to 130 <clears throat> and went a lot of stuff off of, you know, decent punching power, but really better boxing skills. And he thought he could do that to Javante Davis. He was tagging them. It was a back and forth fight up until the sixth round. And then, you know, what Tank did, what Tank does, he stops, he knocks you out. He doesn't protect their faction. <laughs> Can he do that to someone that has a 10-pound weight difference on them? Possibly bigger because, you know, when you cut weight to get on the scales, you rehydrate, you blow back up, you can gain that extra 5, 10 pounds. So how big does Tank weigh in after the after the scale? You know, does he, does he weigh in at 140 and then come on the ring closer to 147? Does Mario's weigh in at 140 and come in closer to 154? Who knows? I don't know if he can rehydrate that fast. I don't know what kind of power that Mario Barrios will have after cutting that weight. You know, when he's already bursting at the seams and he's really a 147-pounder. And he has stopping power at 140. Like, he, I've seen him knock motherfuckers out. So there's danger in this for Tank, but this boxing skill-wise... Tank has the advantage. He has the edge. Um, some keys to victory for him. <sighs> Man, just like Lomachenko, you face, you're facing the longer fighter. You have to get inside. You have to make it dirty. Um, the longer the reach, the further away they want to keep you. They want to hit you with those straight rights and, you know, long looping hooks. But you're the shorter, compactor fighter. <clears throat> get in there. Work the body like it's nobody's business. You know, pay deposits in the bank because if that fight goes a distance like it did with Gamboa, um, that body work would pay some, pay dividends and dividends and dividends, you know, in the, in the last rounds, the eighth, the eighth of the twelfth, especially since he's tall, shot that tree down. Um, for Mario Barrios, keep, keep Tank at a distance because if Tank gets in close, that stopping power in your night early. Um, I really I said I had questions about Tank stopping power at 140. I really don't, man. Boxing is boxing, and if they hit you the right way, anybody can be stopped. And he's supremely, he's a supremely, one of the best finishers in the game. One of the best finishers. If he smells blood, he's a shark in the water. I feel like the only reason he stopped, he didn't stop Gamboa earlier, but honestly, was because he was out of shape. And I, I'm trying to be gentle because he's one of my favorite fighters, but he was out of shape, and he just wasn't in the right frame to do it. So, um... I got this fight going probably 12-round fight, probably eight rounds. I think Tank fills it out for the first three rounds. He starts putting in some work. He's not a heavy, he's not a volume puncher. So I think he starts, you know, putting in some work to the body, trying to find his rhythm, you know, early in the fourth round. And then, you know, from then, I feel like Barrios is going to try and either make it a slugfest or he's going to be on his bicycle Neither one of them is a good thing because you're on your bicycle, you know, you're, you're running around the ring trying to escape the power, but you're exhausting yourself. And then <clears throat> when they catch you in the corner, when they catch you with something to make you slow down, you're already tired. You don't got nothing to throw back. If it's a slugfest, that means you're in close quarters with Javante Davis. And that's something you don't want to do because if he clips you right, even if it doesn't, you know, drop you, it's going to stop you where you at. And then, you know, you're at his mercy I've seen way too many people come in confident that they could box with Tank, and then, you know, they find themselves looking up at the lights in the the arena. So, special, special fighter. If you haven't seen him fight, I would suggest looking up the Javante Davis versus Jose Pedraza fight. 
which is probably his best fight on his resume to date. Um, Pedraza just run won this weekend, actually, this last weekend, if I'm not mistaken, at 140 as well. So there might be a rematch um, coming soon between those two just for the shit of it, man. I mean, Javante Davis is one of those fighters that's exempt from having to fight for any particular belt because, to be honest, he fights under Floyd Mayweather, and Floyd Mayweather is one of the best promoters in the business. He markets his fighter extremely well. Javante Davis has been shouted out by the likes of Little Baby. He has name recognition in Atlanta. <clears throat> he can come to Atlanta any time of the year and shout out if he wants to. So he brings a payday with him. So he really doesn't have to worry about a belt to make a living, even though he is talented enough to unify a division, in my opinion. Um, he just have to make up his mind about what division he wants to do it at. He's, <clears throat> he had his most success at 130. I think he's a 135-pounder. And um, we'll see. How, we'll see how he weighs at this at the scale this weekend. Whether he makes the cut. If he doesn't make the cut at one forty, it's trouble for his career. Um, it's just it's it's really tough to project because he fluctuates so much and he doesn't. He went from discipline to making an easy cut versus the Leo Santa Cruz fight because he stayed for an extra long camp to. Moving up suddenly 10 pounds heavier. It just, it just has too many questions, man. So his future is really up in the air. He has a he has a legal case in the pretty much a hit and run in Baltimore where he flew to see him a crime, et cetera, et cetera. So he may, I doubt he goes to jail, but he may go to jail. So, I mean, dealing with that stress is just a lot of stuff over the cloud of Javante Davis. But I wish the brother well. You know, I wish him luck in his fight. I wish Lobachenko luck in his fight. <laughs> two of my favorite fighters to watch and I hope they become yours too after this this podcast um I really don't have that much for you guys man like I said I tried to keep it under 20 minutes I ended up going 30 had a cuff and coughing spells in there <clears throat> had some missteps can't probably can't tell but I'm nervous but man I love this boxing shit man and if you you stick with me you'll grow to love it too man I'll try to give you guys fight previews and fight reviews as I see fit. Um, I'm not going to do everyone simply because, like I said earlier, not all boxing matches are created equal. Um, not all boxing matches are for belts. Not all boxing matches are even interesting. But as I see them coming, I'll point them out to you. That Deontay Wilder-Tyson Fury fight, uh, it will be a good fight. It's not going to be worth paying for, I promise you that. That Errol Spence-Manny Pacquiao fight coming later in July, Spend your money, oh, actually August, but spend your money on that because Manny Pacquiao is a legend and Errol Spence is a growing. <laughs> he's a two belt champion for a reason, man. He's on my pound for pound list. So, um, you guys stay tuned, man. Thank you guys for subscribing to the Afghis podcast. I'm your host, Spells, and I'm signing out. Have a good night. Mm-hmm.